Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back to your favorite by or perhaps even try weekly <laughs> Hero Realms podcast, Sparks and Recreation. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Jigma Lingpa Rooks. Heading up a skeleton crew this week, people. It's just me and uh, Chris Double Doves Wahlberg, the solo ritualistic uh, player himself. How are we doing today, buddy? Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing well, man. I'm hyped to be here. As always, it always feels like it's been a while since we got together to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, it feels like it's been a while. I'm, I'm happy to be on the cast and excited for what we have in store today. We do. Now, there's only, like I said, there's a skeleton crew. There's only two of us. However, we have a very special guest to help pick up some of the slack to uh, lend his immense knowledge of the game, Hero Realms and uh, help us pull us through this episode. With us today, everyone, is Barry, otherwise known as Zembu, one of uh, the community favorites. How's it going today, Barry? It's going great. I'm glad you uh, trimmed down the host so I have more oxygen. You know, I can really, (laughs) I've got more room to breathe now since there's just two of you. That's a great point. You're going to get a lot more speaking. Although I'm sure uh, Chris and I will also pick up some of the slack there. We all love to hear the the sound of our own voices, as you know, as a listener of the podcast. Uh, That's why you start a podcast, right? So you can hear yourself talk. Exactly. I'm just saying. Totally right. Uh, and no, Barry, really great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been kind of a long time in the making. Um, Barry, I, we'll, we'll get into Barry's story in the in the main focus here, but he's an avid player of. Uh, of hero realms and he has done some really crazy things with uh uh with how he plays the game and we'll talk about that so and he and he has a really unique insight now but he's an excellent player in his own right uh so we have a really fun show um before we get into the overview i just want to say a quick thank you to our patrons and donors our listeners our discord uh community uh it's so great to have you along for the ride we couldn't do it without you. We hope you enjoy the podcast. I did mention really quickly at the beginning uh, a possible tri-weekly format for the uh, podcast. That's not set in stone yet, but we're discussing things. When four of us are doing a podcast together, it can be a little hard to coordinate and get everything together behind the scenes. So uh, we're going to kind of see how we can navigate that going forward. The good news is there is four of us, so we can do um, skeleton crew missions like we are today. But it's not really a skeleton crew when you have Zembu on board, is it? It's, it's more like a, it's a beefy, it, it's a beefy, hearty crew. All right, enough of me talking. Uh, thanks again for joining us today. Chris, can you give us a quick overview of what we have in store for today? Boy, can I ever. We're going to be kicking things off with a what would you do? Everyone's favorite segment, of course. And then we're going to have a bit of a chat with Zembu, get to know him a little bit. We'll transition that into our main focus slash build lab where we will find out about Kachiko and just exactly how that character was built and some of the decisions that went into it. And then after that, we're going to close things up with the community roundup. Sounds good. All right. Uh, Well, without further ado, 
Let's jump in to What Would You Do? What would you say you do here? All right, everybody. Welcome to What Would You Do? Today's scenario is presented by Filtrophobe. Thank you so much, Filtrophobe, for your submission. The screenshots for the scenario are available on the Discord. They're available on the Realms Rising webpage. The link is in the show notes. Um, Feel free to submit your own What Would You Do? Go ahead and DM anyone on the cast of your scenario we want as many screenshots of the different information as you can and we will feature your uh what would you do on an upcoming version of the podcast so the channel is also super active so you can always feel free uh rather than you know if you don't want it posted or a part of the cast you just want to answer quick or to people to chat about it always feel free to post your questions in the discord channel so without further ado there we're going to check out filterphobe situation so we've got a level 12 wizard that's the character that we are playing against a level 12 cleric um we are on a three card starting hand here we have spell components a gold and an ignite the row is stacked with excellent actions we've got spark recruit elven gift bribe and another copy of spark um those are the big highlights of the row. Won't go into too many details about the build unless it comes up in the discussion here. So moving over to what the Discord said, this one had a little bit less chatter that was generated compared to others, but basically can't pass up the double sparks on turn one here by Rip. Um, and then I'll hope for another friendly one coster to drop and then robes the ignite. Uh, then he also adds to that, I probably play spell components and gold, then channel. If I can get the amulet and at least one more gold on the second card, I'll burn the draw to pick up all three greens here. Maybe even another one coster if I pull the amulet and the stone. So we're actually really breaking down some premium sequencing there as well on how this one is going to play out. Uh, Jig, anything you want to add to that? How would you approach this one? No, that that's exactly how I would do it. One of the things I love about the wizard opening is your ability to dig into your deck to try to hit something like your amulet or if you have the uh, ship in the bottle or if you already have the ship in the bottle out and you're going to try to dig for the spell components you can really do some amazing things in your first and second turns so uh, the bad news is once in a great while you're going to pull a really bad uh, channel like in this case, if you pulled your uh, wand and the ignite with your channel, you're not going to be able to buy. And oh no, you'll be able to buy one of the sparks, I guess. But that's it. But not both. You brick on the yeah. second spark. Yeah. You need at least one gold here. But hopefully, you're going to hit that uh, the philosopher's stone or the the amulet to help you do something here. So that's exactly what I would. It's not that risky, and the reward is really good. Um, and then I would probably also aim the two sparks first. And if you hit that amulet, and uh, I mean, you could possibly even get the elven gift as well. I mean, you could get a lot of great stuff here. So, um, yeah, that's how I would do it as well and, and just hope for the best. The uh, wizard versus cleric matchup is generally favorable. I mean, there's obviously great 
player players out there, but um, getting off to a quick start is really important. And uh, that would definitely count as a quick start. So that's what I would do. Um, nice. Chris, how about you? Anything? Yeah, uh, okay. over to me? Yeah. yeah, go to you first, then we'll let Barry go. Yeah. Okay, sure. So, yeah, nothing too much to add for myself. I mean, I can clearly see how this is an interesting role because all the actions are great. To me, that spells uh, big trouble for the cleric here. Not a single champion to be seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and obviously we're going to probably flip some somewhere along the way as we start gobbling up all the cheap uh, actions off the row here. So... You know, one is bound to flip eventually, but um, not a great start for the the cleric player here, honestly. Um, and I, what I even like about going spark spark here is that you know they're not going to buy all three of those other economy generating action cards. Something between recruit, elven gift, and bribe is going to be left over for us uh, on our next turn as well. So. I definitely like that, and I don't think I would uh, deviate from the line that Rip laid out there. I think that's a good... Being just a little bit greedy there, I think you're giving yourself a great chance for that to pay off at a small risk. So I think it's like a great analysis of the risk-reward as well to take that line of play. Yeah. Now, Barry, before you go here, I just want to say, and I think Barry might have said this for the Barbarian, um, always be berserking. For the wizard... It's always be channeling, always be channeling. And I'm going to make a soundbite and add it in here because I love this. <laughs> a, B, C, A, always B, B, C. Channeling, always be channeling, always be channeling. Yeah, it's a little greedy and sometimes it'll backfire, but even if it does backfire, you're still progressing your first draw and whatever you do end up buying is going to show up quicker. And basically you just need to go for it with the wizard. You kind of have, you have to play with a reckless abandon sometimes. And it, usually it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but you're not going to win those games anyways, probably. So yeah, always be channeling. Um, and even if you miss on that channel, I don't think you're in that bad of a position against the cleric here probably. Right. Yeah. You like, still get a spark. I mean, you're definitely going to get at least one spark, but uh, yeah. All right, so Barry, looking at the situation, what would you do? I see that market, and I immediately think I'm smooth heisting the bribe and the gift, <laughs> and I'm buying the rest of the row. <laughs> and then and then I realize, realize this, not, is, this is wizard. You're not, yeah, you're not buying <laughs> the um, My initial thought wasn't to use the channel, but maybe that's just because I don't play enough wizard lately. But my initial thought was I'm, I'm going to – play the spell components. I'm going to buy that gift. I'm going to see what flips mm. and I'm probably going to buy a spark. And one of the reasons I would like gift first when in having the sure thing of that and a spark, it's number one, that's an ally card for the two together. And, uh, you know, draw actions for wizard to me are gold. Like that's just, that's the stuff you love to get. Cause you could, it just helps you with the cycle in your deck. And I, I understand, you know, maybe wanting to do the channel right off the bat and what you could get. I get it. But I also just that was my initial thought. Mm-hmm. Like if I was playing this real quick, I probably wouldn't have channeled. I would have done gift and spark. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't hate which that is line not, either, though. Yeah, no, it's it's a for sure thing. You are 100 percent going to get the gift and the spark if you do that, which is not a losing proposition. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's pretty good. Um, 
We've do we just got really word with this. No, I'm we don't. Curious. But we could we could get filterophobe to uh, answer on the Discord. So so if you're interested to see what happened, um, filterophobe is a really good player, by the way. Uh, he's a, who bounced me from the uh, maximum overdrive competition. Oh, uh, so it, yeah, it would be interesting to hear what happens here. Now I'm a little conflicted here, guys. I want to keep moving on through the episode here, but uh, my bat phone. Uh, is blinking red here, and it, we're getting a call. Wait, who is this? Sam. Oh, Sam is on his way. The Sam Man, the Batman, the Scrap Man is uh, joining soon. So maybe, do we want to wait and try to? No, because even if he comes, he's not uh, going to be able to analyze the situation and probably give us uh, anything uh, interesting to say about it. So we, I guess we can just end up uh, end the what would you do here and move on into the main focus. Okay, here we go. We're going to jump into it. Main focus. Get, get ready to be shit on here for at least a couple seconds. Here. Of course. <laughs> All right, everybody. When you hear that music, you know not only is it time for a main focus, it's also time for our own Sam Scrap Force Parsons to join, to, to grace us with his presence. I have arrived. For the recording of episode 28. We can start now. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, he, he came down the bat pole. Uh, he's already in his uniform. He's, he's ready to scrap. He was doing very important hero helper work. It's very important. Very important. Yes. Uh, yeah, we wish we had a good excuse, but he forgot. But he was yep. working on Hero Realms related stuff. So you're already forgiven, my friend. And Barry, he, he knows Barry doesn't feel bad. Uh, he joins an elite list of guests on the podcast that uh, Sam has forgotten to show up for, including uh, our own Alec. Alex DeCatz's meow. Yep. It seems Rogers. like <laughs> interviews are absent. I just, I just want to like let people down. That's my. <laughs> that's, that's my my I guess my subconscious kicking in here and just being like you know let's let some more people down so everyone in your life thinks you're a disappointment it's gonna be good wow <laughs> you're you're doing a damn fine job of it damn fine job. no just i am good at some things if anything if anything the uh ss uh sparks and wreck now has a now we have a manable crew now i think we can uh, navigate through the rest of this episode so Thanks for joining us, bud. All right, now enough of Sam. Now, see Sam. It's Barry's moment in the sun here. That's right. And then Sam drops in in the middle of the episode and steals steals the spotlight. What what a joke! I don't want to steal any of that thunder. That, Barry, that man is a. F- sorry, that man is a freaking <laughs> genius. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll remember it's around the twenty one, twenty two mark. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Sam gets it out of his system early, and then he kind of, hopefully he'll settle down. The, the same, same thing last episode, so hopefully we'll be good. All right. Uh, all right. Sam, enough, enough showboating here. Let's get to our guest of honor today, Barry Zembu. Uh, anyone who's probably listening to this podcast and plays the digital app and is active in the Discord community knows Barry Zembu. He uh, has had an interesting... Uh, Journey with Hero Realms, which we're going to talk about. Uh, but first, we'll just kind of get some background uh, about Barry. Um, Barry, just to kind of break the ice here, and we'll get into your background, but 
Zenbu, the the IGN you use. Now you you know this is Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming you know it's Japanese. Yeah. And what can you tell can you tell us what it means? Uh, what it means, I, I for, I've long forgotten what that translation was, uh, but it's a holdover for me from Legend of the Five Rings. Ah, okay. All right. In that card game, my the character name that I assumed while I played that game was Tagashi Zembu. Ah. And... And so when I made my in-game name for Hero Realms, actually for Star Realms, back when I started that account, I just mm-hmm. used Zembu. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Now, so Zembu, and I'd have to see if it's someone's name, it could be a different combination of Chinese characters, but Zembu means everything or all, all of something in Japanese. That's what Zembu means. Uh, anyway. Okay. Interesting. Interesting backstory. And we are already got an interesting hint about your connection to uh, other games with the legend of the five rings. All right. So Barry, let's, let's just maybe start there. Talk a little bit about your gaming background, maybe how you uh, stumbled upon hero realms and and then we can start to talk about your journey through it. All right. So I'll try to give you the, the quick sort of synopsis. I mean, my gaming life started, I got two older brothers and I've got an older brother that was, you know, an eighties D and D child. He played all kinds of games all the time. And so I grew up in the shadow of that. And my whole life, vacations, trips, and even when we were grown, we'd all come back together for trips. We were always playing games, always playing stuff. I mean, I remember playing Magic for the first time back in like 95 on a ski trip when we were all together. And one of the times he visited me when I lived back in Pittsburgh in 97, he brought Legend of the Five Rings. He's like, you got to go buy some of this. So I bought it, bought a dragon deck, and I played it for like 13, 14 years after that. And so that's that, a CCG, right? It's a collectible card game? That, that was a collectible card game. It's been dead for a while now. Um, but that's what got me into competitive card play, where I would travel. I, went to, I started with Origins, then I would go to Gen Con, and then mm-hmm. it grew into traveling in the spring for what used to be called Kotai tournaments that would get you seeds into the main tournaments at Gen Con. So I've got a history of competitive card play, had kids around 2010. So I stopped playing and then, you know, I found the uh, Star Realms app (laughs) probably in like 2015, maybe I'm not even sure when, Mm -hmm. but I played, I played that a ton there are a couple other card game apps I played. I really got into deck builders, though, through actually the DC deck builders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are games that me and my brothers still play all the time when we have a chance. And um, and so then it was, I had done everything I could do, basically, with Star Realms. And I knew that Hero Realms existed in physical form, but I wasn't collecting any new physical games. And then the Kickstarter showed up for the digital app. And I thought, I've played so much free Star Realms. I don't mind throwing $100 at the Legend tier yep. for Hero Realms. And so that's what got me up to the point where and I was playing Hero Realms um, for probably five months just against the AI. 
when the digital beta got launched in the summer of what was that 21 mm -hmm. yeah and um all right now pause there for a second barry now yeah. there's a lot to unpack here yeah uh, but first i can't let the uh your ai talk here now uh go just go by really quickly because i remember on discord uh, and it may, maybe it wasn't your first uh, interactions or posts, but it was early on, I think. I remember you posting like these write-ups, elaborate write-ups of the different AI levels you were facing and the different builds you would use to finally be – because some of those yeah. are pretty tricky, right? They can be pretty difficult, to, especially with different characters. Yeah, uh, when you're, you're referring to the, the campaign specifically, right? The campaign, okay, yeah. I can't even remember. I think there's like nine different ones you can do. Mm -hmm. And at the time when I was doing it too, they had they had it messed up where like it was getting double health, but you weren't or something. There was something like yep. really uh -huh. off about it. Yep. I remember it just that increased one. the difficulty tremendously. And I was like, God damn it. I'm, I don't care how hard it is. <laughs> I'm going to keep playing these games until I win. And I think I, I did it first with Thief. And then I was like, I'm going to do it with the other four classes too. Yeah. So I legit, I kept playing and pl I just kept playing until I beat the thing. And a couple of them, it took a really long time because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, what you wrote up. Yeah. You said, I finally was able where, to beat it with. Like 15 turns in, suddenly they get like three champions for free and, and like firebomb for free. And you're like, I, I'm never going to beat this. Yep. But then eventually you get that right mix of stuff and the right draw and the right order and you get it just enough. <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, you have the most perseverance like I've ever heard of. That's incredible. <laughs> Sorry, Jigori. Yeah, it's very unique. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I, I remember it vividly because most people were talking about, you know, something that happened in a PVP game or something's OP or this or whatever. And then Barry comes in with these, you know, elaborate yeah. rules about how to beat these kind of insane difficulty level. Uh, yeah, because I wasn't even playing PVP, PVP at that yet. point. You yeah, know? not yet. Yeah. And we all know, I mean, we here know what happens, what happened once you did start playing. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but going back, like you, you're talking about uh, – the five rings and some of the other stuff you were doing. And Chris, I think you had uh, at yeah. least one question. To right. I, well, I just wanted to bop in with a couple questions there. First of all, like, so what exactly is a collectible card game? Like, is that different? There's like CCG and LCG and TCG. And I, all that is kind of confusing to me. So I'd be curious what you know about that. And then uh, can you just say a little bit about legend of the five rings? It sounded like you played that game for like, 12 years and we're like going around the country somewhat for playing it competitively. Like let's, I just want to hear a little bit about what that game was like. Well, so L5R's setup was basically you would buy a starter deck that was usually 60 cards, right? So the base set had, um, I think eight or nine different factions or clans is what they called them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then and, and in that pack, like a certain number of those cards were set cards, but then there were also random cards. And there were common cards, uncommon cards, and rare cards. So you would then have to buy boosters that would have 11 or 15 cards with like 10 commons, 3 uncommons, and 2 rares. Now if a set has like 50 rares in it, you have to buy a whole box of boosters in order to get every card. 
So that's where like the collectible aspect of the game comes in, right? So I was into collecting the game and getting every card I could. So I would buy everything. But then I also got into playing the game. First, not competitively at all. Just, you know, messing around, not really doing stuff. Um, but L5R has um, a, a very unique aspect to its community. Like once I got playing tournaments and and seeing more people and being connected online. Now, this was back in the days of like bulletin boards. Mm-hmm. Like each clan had their different board set up. There was no Discord back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got hooked into the Dragon Clan community and this L5R was the first game that I was aware of where there was a story that went along with the game, that went along with the release of each subsequent set. And the players of the game, you could get yourself into that story. Like much like the legend tournaments for Hero Realms, you can get a card in the game. Not only could you get a card in the game, but you would be featured or your character would be featured or something you did at a tournament would be featured in the official canon fiction for the game. So like it was almost, there was almost like a role-playing game aspect on top of like this great competitive and very complex game. Um, It's a whole other podcast to talk about the specifics of the game Mm -hmm. and its mechanics. So I'm not going to go into that. Mm -hmm. Um, and because it's a dead game, so there's, you know, it's it's history in a way. But that that yeah. that ability to like be part of the story, that it's was a so... huge motivator to then yeah. become good at it and good enough to win tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. It's very aspirational as a player, and that's why you know the people in the Legend series for Hero Realms and and all that stuff are very like driven to win. So yeah, I had mentioned that I, you know, I. I traveled for Kotai tournaments in the springs most years from like 2001 to like 2007. I actually won one of them like in Charlotte back in, I think 2004. Uh, nice. And it was, you know, just fantastic to win. I, I still vividly remember like the final four <laughs> of that tournament and the guys that I played and specific plays, even though it's been like 15 years or however many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some really great memories and I, you know, a great group of people that I got to know in a community. Cause I, during the time when I played that game, I actually moved from Pittsburgh to Toronto where I lived for three years. I just instantly plugged into the L5R community in Toronto. And it was like, you know, it was just great instant group of friends, even though it was in a brand new city. That um, is an awesome thing about yeah. gaming for sure. Um, and you, honestly, so, I'm starting to get some of that same feel with the HR community too. Uh-huh. You know, like yeah. like I feel like if I go to Origins, it's going to be a great time just because I will be familiar with so many people. Mm-hmm. It'll be great so, to put faces uh, to the name. So I hope I can make it this year. Yeah, I hope you can too, man. When are you going to reach out to some of these L5R people and recruit them to Hero Realm? Yeah, so that's my next question. Well, <laughs> always looking I mean, to I, grow the community. <laughs> You know, I probably could. I, I'd be curious to see some of these guys try to, to take on it. the game. I'm sure yeah. they'd be good. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, if it's close, they'd probably be pretty good at it. So that that's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you actually won. Right. I have to ask, in that case, are, are you in the official canon? I know the game's not like living anymore, but were you able to get written in? And get a card and um, things like well, that? Th- there's an interesting story, and I'll try to keep it brief. But so there was um, a, a guy that worked for Wizards of the Coast. Actually, not, not Wizards. AEG, um, I think, was the company that originally had the game. Um, I forget what that stands for now. Anyway, I met this dude at Origins. I was me and my brother were there hanging around all the time, playing like we played everything we could when we were at Origins, and he got to know me. Yeah. And Alfivar had this ability back then where you could submit card ideas, right? So I was like, all right, I know I'm not going to win a tournament anytime soon. Like back, this was back in like '99, 2000. So I actually submitted a card idea for a Tagashi Zembu character. And in the Dragon Clan, there was um, one of the classic cards was a Tattoo Master, right? Because this Dragon Clan, they, they, they were these monks that had all these mystical tattoos that had all these powers and stuff. And so I was like, all right, there needs to be a Tattoo Apprentice. So that's what I made Tagashi Zembu. And I had a nice little mechanic that worked with it. And there was a point where the game was being sued by the International Olympic Committee because they had five interlocking rings on the back of their cards. Wow. And oh, the no. IOC made them change their card backs. So, like, the game sort of was put on hiatus. And the set that they were about to release before that hiatus happened was something called a perfect cut. And my card was in that set. Like they had the guy specifically was like, I like this guy. I want to honor him. I want to put this card in there. And it took so long for that set set to come out that the PDF, the playtest PDF of that set leaked. And so then all the cards were out online and then they couldn't use them. So they had to redesign that whole set. So they still had a tattoo artist apprentice card but it wasn't Tagashi Semu. It was Tagashi Hiroshi, or you know, and the mechanic was slightly different. So, <laughs> but I do actually have some cards that you know they, they actually put people's names in the credit of the card if there's a card that you won because of a tournament. So there's a couple of cards that have my name on them on the side, uh, like my actual wow. Barry name. That is wow. so cool. That is so now. Cool. Now it's not too late, Barry. Maybe we can commission you to come up with the mechanics for the for the infamous uh, apprentice baiter card that <laughs> yes. we can use for sam's sam's legend card uh, yes. eventually at some point maybe you can come up with some good i was i was uh just emailing with darwin i sent him a bunch of ideas and he never replied he's probably like oh this guy's way too opinionated <laughs> i'm sure he's like no 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 you don't get that much you don't get that much input sorry dude <laughs> right but yeah, yeah send me some ideas dude that'd be great you can be a part of it apprentice Apprentice tat- uh, tattoo apprentice. You know where the tattoo is going to go no, on the apprentice like a... bader. <laughs> Trump stamp. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. yeah. All right. Now um, we've got a pretty good idea of uh, Barry's background, Legends of the Five Rings, the kind of card games that you like. Uh, and you briefly mentioned you you discovered Star Realms, and and that's kind of what led you eventually to Hero Realms. And then you started playing the campaign online and you went through all these crazy nightmare modes and eventually beat it with all the characters. Let's continue your journey, Barry. What happened? At, so you, you beat all the campaigns. You've had your fill of the AI. 
Now you need to turn your attention to the PvP realm, right? Yeah, basically, I had leveled every hero to 12. I'd beaten all the campaigns. So I was just like churning through the same kind of AI games and it was getting boring. So then I, I joined the Discord sometime at, the, I think, the start of uh, 2022, maybe. Maybe at the end of 2021. And I was like, oh, there's like community tournaments. Oh, what's this HRPC stuff? You know, I was like, okay, well, I had never played against anyone in the app. And I was like, all right, maybe I can do that, you know. So I signed up for the HRPC Season 1 Event 2. And it was like, oh, you can put all characters in. Well, I had played all the characters, all the heroes, because I leveled them all. I considered myself a generalist. You know, I was like, all right. So I let's do them all. And I still remember that first, the start of HRPC Season 1 Event 2, when it was like, here's all your groups. Uh, here's 50 games that you have to play right now. <laughs> you know? And it was wow. like, I was... There was something about that first morning when I was just like getting hammered with all these games. And I remember it started out really poorly. Like I lost games. But then I came back and I ended up getting all five characters through to the knockout stages in that first event. And really, like from that event, I was like, all right, I can I can play this game. You know, I belong here. So then any other tournament after that, I was like, I'm doing it, whatever it is. I'm in to play. I just want to play. You know, it was fun. I'm so glad you had such a like positive first experience with that. Like I know the it was like trial by fire throwing to the deep end with how that like group portion of the HRPC can go. But then to like kind of have that moment where you turned it around and as you said, like feel like, all right, I can do this and then yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm just like I sign up for whatever. Like, let's play all of them. I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for everything. Same. So I I totally just identify with what you said there. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, same. Totally agree. What is so now that you have been like seasoned and you've competed in all the events, or whatever. Like, what are your current favorites? Uh well, uh, Tavern Brawl is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've had some pretty... I haven't had... My team made the playoffs this last one. Um, and I've... I've I got Top Thief last season, and I got Top Thief this season. So I'm really happy about that. <laughs> uh, of course, I really enjoyed the... Um, uh, what was the... the um, oh, God damn it. I won the Thief version of it. Um, it's an event that ha- isn't running presently. Yeah. Joust, that's what it was. The joust events were really fun, too. Yep. uh, Because that first session, I I won the thief joust, and I made it to the final joust. And it was fantastic. I was like, oh, I made it to the finals. Maybe I can win this. (laughs) And then I played against Rucksack, and I Mm. didn't win a game. Yep. (laughs) It was best of seven, if I remember. (laughs) Oh, God. I lost four straight games. And then I kept playing him because I was like, I'm going to win a game. It took till my eighth game to finally beat him. Wow. And this was a ranger on uh, his ranger versus my thief at level 12. Hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's that... also an early tournament now that I that made me remember the, the, the tri wizard championship. Yeah. Yes. Where I love it. Let's, let's hear the story. I love it. What I faced off against Jig in the finals of that. And, 
there were like two times in the last two games. I just, I, 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 well, first of all, I didn't realize it was best of five. I won two games. I thought I'd won the whole thing. Oh, I, was, oh, I even made a post about it, you know, oh. like I'm celebrating with a party hat. And it was, uh, nobody, you got to win one more. So then I proceeded oh, to lose three games. But there were points in each of those last two games where if I had just um, drawn with the mirror first instead of another draw, I would have drawn two cards and had enough to, like, win. Yep. Like, it, it's uncanny how it happened. I just, I made the wrong choice, like, two times. And they were razor thin games, but I lost. Yep. I lost. Yep. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That was a yeah, that was a great one. I, I, I remember that clearly. And it's probably still one of my favorite uh events as well, getting that tri wizard cup. Because I, I remember the gif you I think it was the uh Bill Hader dressed up as a wizard dancing or something. I, I, yep. I, was, like, hey, I was like, You haven't won yet, Haas, you gotta win one more. And then you're like, Oh my oh. god, you're right. And then, uh, and then you said, Now I, I know I'm I've doomed myself to lose now because I posted yep. and you did. Yeah, what the a karma. The, the, yeah. the karma uh crash back on me there yeah but barry's always in it now and here's a great thing like even and we've all had that sting of defeat yes you know those games where and with the wizard especially like using the order if you're going to channel first and then use it or you're going to try it the mirror without channeling or whatever uh those small little things can really be the difference and we've all felt the sting but here we are laughing and talking about these kind of cool memories we have in uh community events that really make that it really shows uh it's a great example of why it's so much fun to to do this stuff even though in the moment man that those are i because i take those especially the wizard ones i take that shit seriously man i i i love yeah. i love those those wizard events but i didn't know at that point that you were like the wizard master you know what i mean so i didn't even know what i was doing uh in that tournament you know yeah no but you did after i think that, the right person won you did after that yeah <laughs> yeah I want to go back to what you said about the joust, which was that like you were you you know perseverance again to get that win against rucksack. You're like I am doing this. I'll play you you know over and over until I can get at least one win. So I think that's a, a cool part of that story. Too. Yeah, I remember the 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 stage group of that. You know, they have the two groups and you play round robin against the other uh, four guys, and I just. I think Noodle was in my group, and it was like I just got like all the right cards for the best matchups. For the, like, I just killed it, and so nice. I went into that final with so much confidence, and then <laughs> I just got hammered. Your luck ran out. Your yeah. luck ran out. That's how it goes. That's how it goes in the games. Absolutely, sometimes, sometimes it's a it fun. Is. It's always a fun ride. Yeah. Wow, this is great. Now, it, what a cool way to kind of look back on some of the events and uh, some of the things that. Um, have brought some memorable moments for Zembu here. Now, speaking of memorable moments and memorable things in, in our community, I think this is probably a good point to, oh, yeah. to bring up Kachiko, guys. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, it. Now, okay. Now, uh, all right. How should we do this? It's such a, like, a, she's, Kachiko is such an integral part of our community. I struggle to even <laughs> think about how to introduce her. Um, but, uh, Barry, I'll leave it to you. Tell us. First, tell us about Kachigo, and then we'll talk. Kachigo is a, a, a thief that Barry has used to do some amazing things with. And, and so give us some intro to her, and then we'll talk about like how you build her and how you use her, and then we'll talk about Kachigo. So Barry, let, lead, lead things off here. So a little genesis of that name. It's also something borrowed from Legend of the Five Rings. Surprise. 
there was a character part of the scorpion clan which was a close ally to the dragon clan in that story in that story and bayushi kachiko was her full name she was the um scorpion clan seductress she was married to the champion of the scorpion clan she was the most dangerous like assassin in the realm you know nice and it was the closest thing like i was trying to think of a name for a thief and i was like all right i'm gonna use that name so that's where the name came from Mm -hmm. now as far as like playing with that thief there was an early point when the production came online in june of 2022 right so everybody had all their characters wiped everybody was starting from zero and I had never bothered trying prestiging at all. But when that hit, I was like, all right, I'm going to prestige this character. And I basically ran real-time Q games as often as I could with her just to keep prestiging, keep prestiging. And I was determined because it capped out at Diamond 10 during beta. That was all the higher you could go during beta. I never even went close to that. You know, honestly, part of the thought process of wanting to do that for me was Last Origins. They gave out uh, seeds to the cash tournament based on if you had uh, like a prestige character or a ranked character. So I was like, well, if they ever do anything like that again, I want to make sure I, you know, I like max out things or whatever. So I, I, my initial goal was I want to get to Diamond 10 and then see what happens when you prestige at diamond 10. And at the time, there was only one other person I knew about that was also like prestiging at the same level I was, and that was Nivik. Now they've kind of fallen off and they haven't been around much, mm-hmm. but Nivik was, you know, I was like, I was kind of in a competition initially with him. Like who's going to get to diamond 10 first. And he so, was ranger and he was using a ranger to do it. And you were, he, yeah, he was using a ranger. Um, so really, it was it was all real time, um, because and and this is funny, kind of sad. I legitimately didn't know you could play PvP async games until after the production server was launched. <laughs> I, like it legitimately, I didn't, I didn't, I never pushed the button. I didn't know what it did. And <laughs> I kind of remember you being so it like, was only, hey, I only ever played like real time. It was like. I don't know. It's just like, just like I only played AI for a bit. You know, I can get focused in on. I'm just doing this one thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Now, d- but, so does anyone want to take a guess? Barry, you can't guess because you have access to this information too. Uh, how many games has Barry played with Kachiko? At least games that are <laughs> logged in Hero Helper, we should say. Which would be omitting a few okay. recent, uh, a few recent. Uh, well, when did it start? When, when did the data collection start? Roughly, uh, it's the start of production. The start of production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then that, that's when you started with Hero Helper yep. as well, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, because we. Man, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. It's a good. That's a clue. I'm going to uh, guess. Wait, is this co-op or just? Uh, it's going to be everything. I think it's PvP only. I'm going to guess that he has more than 4,803. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Okay, I was going to say 3,400. 3,400 is my guess. Okay. 
The number I have, and maybe Barry, you can tell me if this is wrong, but the number I have for all games is 2,045. Is that what you have? Am I miscounting uh, the wrong column, maybe? That, that's the wins. That's the win. Okay, there we go. That's what I did wrong. Oh, yeah. So add those two together. Okay, so then we have... Well, now I have to do math. We'll just say... 3,128. There you go. Which is Ooh, nice. I was pretty... I said 3,400. I was only, so that's, I was only 200. <clears throat> that's just the PvP game. That's, that's not including co-op. That's more than I've played. That's right. No one, have, <laughs> Total. No one counts that's the incredible. co-ops anyways. And, and that's just that hero. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I know. Hold that's on. just Kachiko. Yep. I have to justify my very specific answer here and say that you posted a screenshot in the Discord that you had 4,803 games played. Right. So, that's with all heroes. That's with all heroes. Oh. That's total games. Yep. Man. <laughs> wow. It's just most I of them to, are I tried to cheat and it failed me. That's all right. Embarrassing. You should not play prices and right. I'll, yeah, I'll, he's I'll, since we're talking about her um, total games, the win percentage for that 3,128 games is 65.38%. Nice. That's a good, yes. that's a good cut with a, with a Thief too. Now, yes. and we'll talk about this a little bit later, especially when you consider you're playing at, from the levels 1 through 12 and you're playing at the lower levels. That's yep. really impressive. But then you realize maybe very necessarily isn't playing uh, levels 1 through 7 for all of these prestiges anyway. Some of them, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I should clarify that Getting to, so the first goal was right. I said, get to D10, basically, Diamond 10. And that was mainly through PvP real-time games. And I got to Diamond 10, and I prestige to Diamond 11, and the badge disappears. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It was gone. Now, this wasn't the first time I had a run-in with um, the badge going away. Because there's the famous story where I accidentally deleted my character. <laughs> you got to tell that story. Yes. I was waiting for that to, have to come up. <laughs> I usually played on my iPad. And then this one night, I'm running around. I've got my phone. I'm like, oh, I got a prestige. And at the time, the prestige button and the delete button were in the lower right-hand corner. Right? So on my little phone, my fat fingers, it hit the delete button by accident. And then the, the pop-up came up that says, do you really want to delete this character? Which looks very similar to the, you want to press, do you really want to prestige warning, yeah. right? You have pre- so I you click have, delete. At that point, I've done 99 clicked, million times, and so it was like Twitch yeah, memory. <laughs> I clicked the OK and as I'm clicking the OK, I realize it says delete character. And boom. Oh, at that point, I was like, I don't know. Maybe I was like gold six or something at that point. Hi. So, you Why? know, I had uh, – no, I was maybe a little higher. But anyway, I just – it was literally the character was gone. And I was like, I'm not going to play this game again. <laughs> because <laughs> i just spent so much time playing the game and if it all just went away i was like i'm gonna stop but i posted about it immediately on discord and i reached out to joel and i said 
can you help me out at all? You know, I'd already restarted the hero with the same name, but I had nothing. You know, I was there was no prestige badge. Um, and Joel was kind enough to say, all right, this is a one-time deal, not precedent-setting. He uses magic and reinstated my prestige badge to where it was. Uh, and then they promptly changed the app and moved the delete button to the upper left corner and made it so you had to hold it down for five seconds to actually delete the character. <laughs> so and, not and only not deleted a character since. Now they should yeah. put your name on. They should put your name on the delete button, Barry. That would be incredible because <laughs> you you are like the inspiration for this UI improvement. That's amazing. Yes. Well, Absolutely. in our hearts, his name is on that delete button. Exactly. Right? And yeah, truly. Now. Now, I, I have to jump in here shamelessly because I documented this, this, uh, this <laughs> odyssey, Kachiko's odyssey, in an animated GIF. And uh, if you're on Discord, you've probably seen it uh, many, many times because I, I never hesitate to, to drop it. And it basically shows the story of, of Kachiko. So if you're interested, uh, just do a search on Discord for Kachiko. I, I, might, I might even put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, she, she rose from the ashes. Yep. And yeah. man, how there were some calls how, too to update to update that movie as well because well we'll we'll continue with Kachiko because right. Kachiko's so, story. So continues. they got me to D ten right, and then it was like, well, all right, I guess I'll keep playing. And I was still doing prestiging here and there. I maybe wasn't doing as much. Uh, I think Nivik was ahead of me at that point, but I knew Nivik was specifically going to stop at D twenty. Because he liked the for the die reference, right? D, uh, Diamond twenty, D twenty. Mm -hmm. So he got his ranger to D twenty, and he stopped playing it. And so, I think I got up to that and got past it. And some point around twenty twenty five, they changed the star system for real time PvP, where it wasn't just like one star per game. If the difference in the rank was great enough you could lose like well five, they ended up having it at five stars but initially it was like you could lose like 10 stars or something oh wow and at that point uh kachiko was diamond 30 um so i legit i just i stopped playing pvp for a while and at that point i i knew about async and i had started playing async games all the time you know um right i wanted to jump in with a question about that, actually. Yeah. Well, first is a clarification. So when you say you were Diamond 30, that refers to your rank, not your prestige, yeah. right? That's you right. were rank yeah. Diamond 30, um, but you were still um, grinding away at a lower Diamond prestige level. But then yes. how does the timeline of, like, when you were prestiging and when you – before you discovered the async queue, how does that fit in? What, like – and, and um, when, when did you start playing PvP with the community? Because you must was, not have had that first. I think HRP it was, you know, season. getting more events where, like, you're doing the async stuff and you can actually send challenges to people. You know, that was a revelation to me that, like, oh, okay. I can just join this queue or I can, you know, I get to, or that it, it's that it wasn't just challenges. It was I could just jump in this queue and get a random opponent, you know. So okay. there was a point. Um, where in addition to like continuing to prestige where I would throw out, you know, my five heroes at level 12 into the async queue and get matched up sometimes with the same person for all five games, mm -hmm. you know, yep. 
And so, with, with, you know, I was doing that a bunch too. Um, and of course, that's that was there was a point there where I stopped using Kachiko for that. I had another thief that I used. Uh, initially, it was Hans Gruber. <laughs> um, just so I wouldn't lose the the stars, you know. Yep. Because in the async queue, you would just you'd lose stars if you. It's there's nothing worse than being like Diamond Thirty and playing like a bronze cleric that just wipes you out and you lose you know a chunk of stars. Especially if it's a good player that's starting a new build, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think that I was I was definitely doing async stuff probably from uh, sometime somewhere in platinum. So platinum's just for diamond. So platinum, so for at least like 20, 25. Um, prestige cycles. Prestige cycles, yeah. I was definitely doing async stuff. But I hadn't, I didn't get to the point where I was like, I need to find a way because I wanted, well, well actually, I, I, I lost the thread a little bit. So I my prestige badge went away at 11. And Joel said, it's still there. Don't worry. We just don't have the art asset for it. So they, they didn't have prestige badges that went against, that were in the diamond of, or for anything that went ab above 10. They were like, right. yeah, we'll, we'll get it back there eventually. And it took them about two weeks, yep. two to three weeks. And when they finally were like, okay, your prestige badge will be back now. And they were like, oh, by the way, you can go up to diamond 90, 999 now. <laughs> yep. So when I heard that, is, I was like, "Is that a oh. challenge?" You're like, "Oh, yeah." I was <laughs> like, "Wait a minute, I, I need to see what a triple-digit prestige badge looks like." That was like my initial, like, "All right, I, I, I can do this." And I, at that point, I was maybe I hit twenty, and when I got to around twenty-five, I was like, "Oh, this is taking too long. I got to figure out a better way to do this." Because at that point, I, I, I legitimately was not playing. PVPQ at all, async or you know real time because I didn't want to lose the stars, uh -huh. mm. and and I realized well wait a minute, I really liked the way that in the HRPC you just got hammered with all these same games, all these games at the same time, and you just played a you just kept you were playing like forty games at a time, just taking turn just just taking a turn. New game, taking a turn, analyzing what's on the board, taking a turn, like not really knowing the whole picture of a game because there were so many. And I thought, well, why don't I just send challenges to everybody that's in my favorites list? Because at that point, I'd been in so many events, and every time I'd face somebody in an event, I'd add them to my favorites list. And I think at the time, I had about 50 people in the list. Mm -hmm. And so I just I sent an async PvP challenge at uh, level 12 to everybody and after at least half of them accepted i was like all right now I'll prestige and all of those games that i'm still playing they will see the next prestige cycle um and that was really that that was the genesis of what i started referring to as the gauntlet and i want to yeah. go back i just want to pause really quick to to, yeah, if the, people didn't like catch it, because I the first time you said it, I was like, "Wait, what?" So basically, you send all the challenges when you're at what level? Like when you really send a big batch. 
Yeah, well, so now what my process is, I get to level 11. Uh-huh. And I want enough time for people to accept the challenges while I'm still playing games and gaining XP. So at level 11, I'll send out, uh, it's about 60 challenges now. Um, and it's a group of people, and it's not all PvP. Some of it's co-op. Mm-hmm. Right? I've got it. There's a whole roster of people that just play co-op. There's actually <laughs> a few people that play both nice. PvP and co-op. Mm-hmm. Co-op mm-hmm. is fun, but I mean, they're names you wouldn't recognize because you'd never see them in the other queues, right? They only play co-op games. Yep. And you um, don't know them from the Discord either. It's just because you found them in the RT queue and you favorited them and you started sending them games and now they've accepted. I love that idea yeah. that there's these people that like you've never really talked to, but you send yeah. them regular challenges. You're going to meet them one oh, day. It's like an origins and be like, Oh, you're that person. Oh, you're Zimbu. Oh, <laughs> Hey man. <laughs> like everybody probably knows, uh, is is or is Al. He's a guy that talks yeah. on the main, uh, uh, WWE Discord. Discord about co-op stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. There's another dude yeah. named Rio Rob who I actually finally connected with on Discord. Uh, he takes my what? games all the time. And there's there's a guy named Zama and Lamarck, and you know there's there's others. It's just there's there's at least half a dozen that it's they're only co-op players. Nice. Um, and co-op really is just a way to have get tons of XP. Right. You, it's not because you know you only get 200 XP if you win. Well, you're going to lose some games, so you're only getting 80. But in co-op, you almost always win. So I was yeah. like, well, i got to get some co-op in this mix to help get it all done faster. Yep. Um, so the really, the prestige cycling, you know, I, I started November 18th at Diamond Prestige 25. And <laughs> by... What time was it year. when you started? <laughs> I, I could actually probably go in here and help her. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> But by the end of the year, I got the first 25 to 50 done. Wow. Um, and then, oh no, wait, maybe it was more. Oh no, that, that's right. Because then by the middle of February, I got to 75. And then I thought it was going to take me till the end of March, but when they did the big update in early March, mm-hmm. they had um, double X. They had a co-op bonus of an extra mm-hmm. two hundred for co-op games, which is still present in the game right now. On weekends and for as a while, well. When it was real time double XP weekends, you could get um, eight hundred. Actually, a thousand sometimes for your first real time game of the day. So you could play wow. one game, win, and get a thousand XP. But basically, you could get 800 XP on the weekends by doing a co op game and winning it real time. And it would take eight co op wins to do a whole prestige cycle. So there were a couple of nights that, because that, that update happened on a Wednesday, like I legitimately that Friday night, I think I did two full prestige cycles in one night. That's awesome. And that's what really rocketed me from 75 to the point where on uh, Double Dub Stream there in early March, I was able to uh, do the 100 Prestige in, uh, live on a stream. Yeah, I was there for it, Barry. I Amazing. witnessed it happen. <laughs> Amazing. That was awesome. That was awesome. What a cool story. Now, 
people are going to be listening. People who aren't maybe familiar with the prestige, uh, prestige process and stuff might be a little lost here, but just the sheer number of games that Barry has played with Kachiko and the number of challenges and uh, async and real-time cues he's done. Well, we, we heard the number. It's, it's three, it's 3,100 and something. Right. And that's just yep. since hero helper started, but um, it's a lot of games with a single character. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> and basically that means uh, Barry is like just a eyes closed expert at the thief at this point. All right. And I think this is a good time to talk a little bit about Kachiko herself and how you build this thief and how you use her um, to work. Now I know you, you told us about how you're sending out a bunch of challenges, like 60 challenges at level 11 now, and that basically carries you through um, most of the prestige cycle, but just for uh, posterity's sake, let's talk about how you progress and build Kachiko uh, through the level. So the listener can kind of get an idea what what build you're using to do this, this feat with. All right. So let's, let's walk us through now, double dubs. Maybe you can do, you can assist us as we go through the different levels of the thief and then Barry can tell us um, what, what he's choosing for it. Okay. But let's, let's walk through the build of Kachiko. Why should you build such a thing? So I, I can just jump right in and tell you that my initial build with Thief was a, a sack dagger build. Mm. But there was a point where I played some, I did a mirror match against somebody and they had the smooth heist. And when they wrecked me with that smooth heist on that first turn, I was like, what is this? And that's <laughs> when I fell in love with the smooth heist Thief. Uh, and so when I progress through my build, my goal is I'm getting to that smooth heist as fast as possible. So at level four, it's always an upgrade to timely heist to get down that right side of the, uh, the tree there. So let's talk real quick about why you choose that side of the tree, because there's a, like, you could go left or right in order to end up at smooth heist. So why do you take timely heist? Uh, I like the ability to take a card and then get another free card of, uh, I think it's three or less from the market. To hand. Or, yeah, oh, no, to, to not, hand. So hand, it's right? it, I, it's just a nice, like, I when I was playing games at that level, it was a nice little thing to have to be able to really impact a game. Because if you steal the right card at the right time during a game, you completely flip the game and you can put a shit into your favor. It's happened many times. Mm -hmm. You know, you take that sack card from them or you take that elven curse from them and suddenly, you know, they don't have as much power as they had and you you flip the game. Um, but really, at this point in time, I don't even play games at that level. So I, I, I only get to use it when I do co-op, actually. So let's pause for a second. So um, Timely Heist is the next time you acquire a card, you can acquire another card of the same faction of equal or less for free. If the second card costs three or less, put it into your hand. I thought that's right. the one that you were saying you did. But you actually do the Skillful Heist, which is where you steal a card from an opponent's yes. discard 
and then get a card off the market of cost three okay. or less for free. So skillful okay. then. I misspoke. Yeah, it's skillful. No worries. Skillful I just want right to clarify yeah. for the listeners that you are still liking the thief ability to steal from your opponent's discard pile on your yes. way to smooth heist. And I, and, I think and, that makes a lot of sense. It, it does make a lot of sense. What what level is this at? This is at level four? four. Yeah. So now in co-op the, at four, you play against the necros or the necromancers, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. they never buy from the market, but they start with like a couple of death touches. Death touches. So it's like I I'm always stealing their death touch at levels four and five against them, which is a great target. Well, I was going to say even in PvP though. Barry, I think in those mid levels, it's yeah. pretty. It's usually pretty easy to steal stuff from your opponent because they can't cycle as quickly yet. Uh, mm-hmm. They leave their discards more vulnerable longer than. I mean, once you get to the higher levels, it's harder to steal from their discards, but not so hard at the mid levels. I don't think. So that takes us to level four. Now at five, you have the choice between uh, the upgraded throwing knife the keen throwing knife or the enchanted garrote what are you taking there well i always go for the upgraded knife because i'm gonna i know i'm gonna ultimately go for the belt um and i like that when you can string all three knives together with the belt not only do you draw three cards but you get 11 damage um it's a lot of damage a lot yep yeah and it's that that alone if you are lucky enough to get that draw string a couple times in a game that alone wins you the game Yep. Yeah. Sure. Early game, especially if you get that like your first or second turn, it usually is a good thing for the thief. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So then and at six, I think the other one there is doesn't it? It only that it like hits followers. You know, non guard. Like non guard. Yeah. It's good exactly. at killing cats, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So then at six, we know you take smooth heist. Um, why don't you go off about Smooth Heist a little bit and how great that is? Mm. Well, like I said, the first time I had it used against me, I just was like, wow, this has so many possibilities. And through the repeated play, you know, I really got to a point where I, I can just see that market and be like, how can I maximize my impact with this Smooth Heist? Are there is there at least one like two or three gold cost econ card that I can either buy that and another one like it or that and a fire gem to really push me to a point where I can get a seven or eight cost card on my first turn. Right. So that's right. that's my sort of preferred way of using smooth heist where I just I have a massive first turn where I buy two econ cards into hand. I flip new cards. I could buy a bunch of cards, a bunch of little cards, you know, like you get a double bribe first turn. Not only are you buying the cards, but then you're putting both of them onto the top, top of your deck. I mean, y- you can have just some really soul crushing starts <laughs> as a thief where yes. your opponent legit concedes after you've done your smooth heist. <laughs> it's happened. Right. And then you get less XP, which I'm sure is a little frustrating well, considering not your goals. Not anymore. Oh, they True. made picture of it. Get rid of that. Very nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're really relying on that early tempo, which we've talked about in the past of how kind of like if you can get ahead in the mid game that sets you or get ahead in the early game, that advantage can snowball later. And so I think definitely laid out how that 
uh, happens for you there. I, I just, and this is a good thing to talk about counterplay too. Remember when you're playing the thief guys and Sam, I'll let you go next. Uh, the, those starts definitely are soul crushing. Like, like Barry is saying, it can definitely be deflating, frustrating, make you want to quit, but don't quit is my advice. Uh, the thief has a really fast acceleration, uh, especially when they hit their smooth house like that. It can seem insurmountable, but their top cruising speed is still not as high as some of the other characters who can really get going once the game goes on. So you can make up for lost ground if you can survive uh, past the mid and into the, the late game. So it's still possible, but yeah, it's it's a big hole to start out in. It's tough. It's tough to, to play against for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about level six uh, and the smooth heist. I think we were talking about it, and how and how Barry likes to use it, and how uh, his first objective is to look for economy cards that he can bring it into hand, which he can then use to buy bigger cards and basically just saturate his deck with as much as he can on his first turn. Does that sum it up? Right? Yeah, and and just a little addendum to that is I'm always aware of where's the sack, what sack is there. What what can I do to buy that sac sacrifice? And those are questions that Sam asks himself all of the time. Like, where's the sac, and how much does it cost to buy that sac? <laughs> yep. Can, can I get it in hand right I, away, can, or should I mask it on top for next turn? Yeah. Can I steal my opponent's sack? No. Yes. Maybe I can. <laughs> can they steal my sack? All right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Now, but this is really good because smooth heist, and we've said it before in many different ways, it's generally regarded as one of, if not the most powerful ability in the game. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is this is kind of showing us why, because you can just get amazing starts. The alchemist's uh, transmorgification, or however you however it's labeled, is gives it a, a run for its money because you can do some crazy stuff with those too. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, good stuff. All right, so. Smooth heist is as soon as possible. Start uh, using that to win games early and beat our uh, people, our opponents into submission. Sam, what do you got? And and so this was my question: uh, What is your approach usually when you don't have a good smooth heist? Maybe it's like all expensive cards on the row, or what? You like you have to wait it out a little bit. Like, what do you? Are you going? Are you trying to use it as soon as you can in that case? Like, no matter what, on a more expensive cards. Are you uh, trying to wait for a good one where you can actually pull some econ cards to hand directly? What it, are you trying to do usually? It really depends on opponent and what the market has. If if yep. it's if there's no explosive start available, then I first think, all right, well, is there are there like two big cards in the market I want to try to set up a, a later turn smooth heist where I get both those cards. Mm -hmm. Um I've done many, many a first turn where I buy a fire gem and I mask that fire gem to the top of my deck so that I'll have a better econ second turn just by at least guaranteeing that two gold there. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's jump ahead a little bit because we're not to where I have mask in my build yet, but you know, that's, yep. that's, I'm not a stranger to not using the smooth ice on the first turn and buying the fire gem to set up a smooth heist for a later turn. And I'm, and actually, I've had games too where, like if I'm facing a cleric and there's a double cult priest out, I'll smooth heist those two cult priests in a second because mm -hmm. that eight 
damage worth of or eight strength worth of non-guards. Like the the yeah. cleric isn't getting through that anytime soon, and I'll oh, right. immediately be doing massive amounts of damage to them. And that same thing yep. can kind of go for other like pairs of of champions or or guards, you know. Yeah. So it's really, it I mean, it's, a, it's a very like broad answer, but it's very dependent on, it's very situational. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I was, you know, curious is like, you're trying to use it as soon as you possibly can. But when it's an, not an I- ideal situation, you're also applying a little bit of, well, what is a good combination? What is the best combination for this opponent? Blah, blah, blah. And that, the idea of can. using it as soon as you can too is it's like, it's going to give you a power boost. And it's that should help you with your game. So, but if if the, what's available is garbage, you're not going to just smooth heist garbage, right? So don't smooth heist garbage. <laughs> All right. So so Barry, what do you do if you have a garbage row, a garbage market? Well, that that's where I'll I'll try to either, you know, get that fire gem or you know, do a fire gem, use my uh, discard ability, and make the other guy buy the garbage first. <laughs> yeah. I legit, I legit had a game with uh, Rucksack, one of the the Gauntlet you know challenge games where I think it went like we each had taken like six turns and we weren't buying from the market because it, it was a thief mirror. It was like no, you smooth heist first. No, you smooth heist first. <laughs> he eventually did smooth heist first, bought some garbage, flipped me some good stuff, and I ended up winning that game. He blinked. Yeah, <laughs> the fire gem, cold war weapon stockpile. Yeah, that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, it pays to be patient in hero realms in a lot of situations. It really does. To it does not be the one to blink first, and it's hard. It's hard to like not do that. I think that's a mistake that is easy to make. You know. Yeah. So, are we ready to move on to level seven then? Yeah, keep keep walking us through. So sack dagger or knife belt? We've already spoiled the choice here a little bit, but why don't you talk about that? Well, I mean, if you're going to go, the the knife belt is superior in my eyes. I I, I get that the sack dagger gives you that in-hand sacrifice, but it also hurts your own economy early in a game because it has to be in hand. But the belt uh, with the knives... Like I had said earlier, it can you string that together, you get damage plus the card draw. Uh, it's that the ability then later on when you get mask in play to have draw out of your deck, so you can always mask something and draw it on that same turn. That's just it's what makes the the thief engine go for me. Yeah, so there's there's a synergy between um, the knife belt and the shadow mask that you really lean into on the build. It sounds like yeah. So what's eight? And I think what is eight? so eight? You're going to be spending another skill point for your character. Which I um, what are you doing at eight? Are you getting so you're hit points or uh, are you going for... skill? Well, I'm already at smooth ice, right? So I get, I have to do the um, the heal. So I go to the heal five, I think, usually, whatever that one is. So you could take hit points there, but it sounds like... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, always, I always do that at 12. So th- it's between sleight of hand and swipe, and you take swipe, uh, yes. the one that gains you five health. Yes. Okay. Sounds With the good. ultimate goal of going for lift for the plus seven healing, right? Yes. So you have to go so down. So there's really no... 
Yeah, since you are locked in for lift. Um, so maybe we'll talk about why you like that extra HP once we finally get uh, lift unlocked. Yeah. So then that's level eight. So now at level nine, we have our armor choice. And I just have to say, like, I love the thief armor choices uh, because they're so good at, like, defining a distinct play style for thief uh, that i think is just so cool about the this decision so uh you're either shadow mask or your silent boots and as we've talked about here you're going shadow mask um we haven't been reading any of the cards uh, but i do feel inclined to read shadow mask here really quick so as long as you have 35 or more health you can expend it to put a card with cost three or less from your discard pile on top of your deck tell us why that's good zembu well, it lets you spam that cheap card that's powerful, whether it's Elven Curse or the Rot or, you know, some other low-cost scrap card. I mean, there's tons of stuff in the new cards that they're just yeah. fantastic low-level cards. I mean, there's... I don't know the name of it, but there's the the wild card that's two gold, four damage, and a discard for, like... Raiding three. Party. Raiding party, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite cards. That's, that's such a great card. Um, yeah. And it's just really the, the mask, when you get that low-cost card and with the draw that you have in the deck, especially if you actually get more draw, like you get a, a gift as well. I mean, being able to mask a draw card at the top of your deck is just awesome sometimes too because then that lets you set up like, oh, I'm going to put this draw on top of my deck I'm going to, you know, I have one in hand. I'm just drawing into that. I'm just cycling, cycling through the deck faster. You know, that's, um, the mask can just really accelerate you. I mean, my, my goal, if I can get a death touch or a rot, is I'm going to mask that as many times as I can per deck cycle. And, and even if I, you know, orphan it, then I know that I'll be able to mask it later on from the discard once that deck reshuffles. Um, yeah, it's even better. Now, Barry, I was yeah, going to bring this up. Point. It's actually even better to orphan it. And sometimes yeah. you actually want to orphan it. So you know that when you reshuffle, you're going to have this card that you can start uh, masking again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's really one of the, the fin, kind of the finesse points. Now, uh, now of, the of downside the of mask is when it shuts off. That 35 right. is yeah. pretty high. You know, you don't, there's not a lot of runway there. So you, that's another reason that, I ultimately end up at lift. Yep. Keep Keeps that your mask, mask on online as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And do, does that also mean you're trying to get some heals if you can, or are you just trying to get like, I, I mean, getting heals is, you know, against certainly against fighter, you know, mm-hmm. or against another class where you want to hate by it. So they don't have it. Um, like you sometimes yeah. you need you need to get that heal you don't want wizard getting a bunch of healing cards you know yeah. where they're yeah. going to cycle it up and robes it and ally it up all the time um, and then you can use mask to ally that that one uh, taxation with the one stupid tithe priest that you bought <laughs> just to, yep. you know have that possibility you know yep mm-hmm. yep absolutely so I think that does uh, bring us into level 10 here, which is where you're spending a skill point. You can either go all the way up to lift or get your hit points, and I assume you finish off lift at this point? I do. Now, I, I originally was on the uh, the middle one, whatever the, 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 
the five heal plus one gold if they don't discard a card with that, a cost to it. That was kind right. of like the meta choice, I felt like. Exchange. And that was something yeah. I wanted to talk about on the cast today was that like we did observe a shift for mask thieves to go from the middle skill to the right skill for lift. Um, talk about that and when you realize that and, and how that kind of played into your, your build. Well, with, with all the, the challenge games, you know, and I would often get people answering with a mirror. So I'm playing another thief. And I found that when I was on the middle one, if I was playing against the leaf, uh, uh, lift thief, I, it was really hard to win those games because they could always, you know, they're spamming seven to my five. And unless I just have a better scrap hand and my deck's tighter or like, it's, it's just hard to overcome that, that two difference. And wow. honestly, the, um, the econ advantage of that just what it wasn't, it didn't help enough. Uh, and then I also found that against fighter at level 12, if I didn't have lift, I would lose more often. Sure. When I just had the yeah. five heal, I, there just wasn't enough runway for me to survive the onslaught, stabilize the game, and you know slowly whittle that that fighter down. But at seven, you can still lose. Obviously, you know. Yeah. You get the wrong market cards for that uh, fighter, you're gonna lose. Doesn't matter what you do. But lift gives you an opportunity to extend games, and you get the same thing too against clerics. You know the high heal clerics. Uh, you need that lift. You need that offsetting heal to be able to hang with those clerics. And 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 you know I've had plenty plenty of games that go to enrage against clerics, um, and then to a point where it's like, well, who's getting enraged first? Because you're you're gonna win. You know, there's been a, a handful of games where I got the first, in, you know, I got enraged first, so I'm doubling first, and I, I lost that game at, like, 16 or something because the cleric was able to get me down. But lift mm. is a big part of being able to get to that point. Interesting. I never would have guessed that it was, like, kind of the mirror match that first pushed you in that direction. Cause I always felt like if I was going to be playing a thief mirror match, I'd probably want like misdirection to be able to get ahead of them on the economy side of things. But it sounds like that's not uh, and, the case in your experience. And honestly, what's great about mask thief in that mirror is that, I mean, I've played this way plenty of times against the people that have the econ versions where I'm, I'm ditching a costed card. Cause I can just mask it to the top of my, I'm playing around it basically. You know? Interesting. So, uh, like, have you played uh, Dark Letters Thief very often? I think he has an awesome Thief game, and he plays Misdirection and has done uh, super well in the mirrors and stuff like that, I think, with Thief. Um, actually, Dark Letter was a late entrant into the Gauntlet. And okay. um, I think I have a really terrible record against <laughs> now, I'm not sure that he's okay. always answering with his thief. Sure, um, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a, a, a bane of my existence. Like, uh, it's it's a really nasty win loss percentage against him. I'm uh, right there. With well, you, yeah, man. and it depends on what people are running against you too. Like, I know I was yeah. running uh, in preparation for Tavern Brawl. I was throwing a bunch of clerics at at Barry's thief for for his uh, his gauntlet challenges just to get my yeah. cleric ready and try to level it up. So. 
Some That's what I've been doing lately. Is like, it's a leveling service, so I really appreciate it. I'm always like, yeah, awesome. I'm leveling this up. I'm going to play that yeah. with the gauntlet. It's going to be great. That's kind of how I look at it. Same. So we're well, to 11 now, right? Yeah, yeah, so at level 11, you either have Blackjack or Jeweler's Loop. What are you taking at 11? Well, I, I mean, I get the Jeweler's Loop deal where you'll take Jeweler's Loop and then at 12, you'll take the Free Fire Gem. Like, you get that whole cycle possibility. But to me, Blackjack is just a game winner sometimes. I can't tell you how many games I've won because I had Blackjack either in my discard and I could mask it, or it was, you know, in my hand, and they have a big fat champion out there. Maybe it's a cleric and he's all monster, or maybe it's just somebody got Grack out against me and that seven staring me in the face and they think they're safe. I play that Blackjack, knock that champ down and, and win the game because I've got lethal, you know, it's happened so many times. So I'm a big believer in Blackjack as the upgrade. At 11. Yeah, well, plus yeah, the draw. On... Just the draw yeah. from Blackjack with the mask yep. is yes. huge. There's a it helps a lot. Yep. It helps a lot, in my opinion, because I, I'm always frustrated. I'm always drawing my knives and not the belt, right? And I'm always like, <laughs> so having it, or I'm always like, shoot. So having a, a timestamp it, timestamp it. So having a uh, an extra draw, yeah, having an extra draw is, um, really helpful. And I, I like it for that reason, because, you know, th those belts can be and knives can cannot line up sometimes, which can be really frustrating. Uh, trust me, I know. I've had I, I, I in the last day or so, I have legit bottom decked the belt where, like, that's the only card I'm not drawing. And I've got three knives in my hand. It stays out of my hand. And I just like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm not winning yeah. this game. <laughs> Barry, what's your policy? And this kind of connects to the knife belt and the and the knives. What's your policy on sacrificing knives? Um, well, I'll do it after I'm out of all the other starters. Depending on the matchup, sometimes I'll take out a one damage knife before I'll take out a ruby. Mm. Um, but generally, I try to get all the gold and all the rubies gone, and then first. You know, for late game, sometimes it just if if it makes sense, I'll I'll get rid of the uh, the one damage knives first and keep the keen. But I've had games where I not only got rid of the knives, but also got rid of the knife belt because I was down to like six or seven cards, and I knew I had to draw amongst those cards to always have you know play that hand every every time. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've also had games where I've done that and I oversacked and I didn't have enough damage to finish it out. And the other guy yep. could, you know, slowly whittle me down because I was doing this set amount of damage every turn. And, and then you had no, no econ to buy anything on top of it. Yeah. Yep. That's how it goes. I've been too. Yeah, interesting. Um, All right. So we're, you, we got to be. Oh, go, go ahead, Sam. A quick question on that topic, though. Do you have any little, like, maybe small things you do to maximize the knife belt that maybe we're not thinking of? Or any advice you'd give someone new, like to to manage that properly? Are you like, well, shadow masking put it on the, the knives at certain points, or shadow masking the the knife belt at certain points just to manage it, yeah, optimally? 
I think the only like tip I can give related to that, and this is general for Thief, it's not directly related to the knives in the belt, but um, it actually ties in with blackjack. I mean, I will often if if I'm if everything's in my discard and it's going to be a fresh deck, I mask blackjack to top my deck because mm. then it guarantees me a draw in that fresh hand, so that maybe I can draw into something else or. If there's something in the market, I can buy and mask and then draw that on that turn. Um, so, I mean, specifically about the, the, you know, it's you're just, you're trying to make sure. I mean, I hate it. Like I said, I hate it when I have a, there's, there's six cards. I'm getting five of them. And then the knife's the bottom one. But sometimes you just can't help that. But you try, you, I will often not mask something because mm-hmm. I have five cards in my deck. Right. Yeah. And I know that if I don't mask, I'm guaranteed there's a knife and the knife belt in that five card. So I specifically don't mask because I want to guarantee that I have that in my hand for the next turn. And then I know I'll be able to put another knife on top of my deck and get a chain going and, you know, multiply the damage. So Mm -hmm. that's, I guess, my only little nugget. That's a great, that's a great point because there are times when you're wondering what to do with that mask before a reshuffle. And it's interesting to hear Barry chooses the, um, the blackjack. Sometimes if I have a really good deck, sometimes I've even put the, uh, uh, the knife belt in there and just hope that I'll get one of the knives to on the reshuffle, but that sometimes doesn't work well. So I, but the blackjack being a sure thing, I like that idea. Cause I would, now, I would usually do the knife belt myself because then I have it around for that next deck. You have cycle. a chance. Yeah. 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 yeah and with the blackjack, like blackjack too, for the sure yeah, thing. And you, you'll have it for your following turn to mask again, yeah. to mask a draw card, which is always helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was saying though, sometimes if you have a really, if you have really good cards in your discard pile, I opt not to mask anything and just hope that I get a better chance at sucking up some of those cards in in the first, in the first. That's absolutely true. Like you're, you're not going to mask, uh, like an orc grunt when you have a chance to draw into like firebomb or Tyranor, you know, like you, you, sometimes you don't, you, you want to just have the chance to get better cards. So you don't yep. mask. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So there are t- situations when that happens too. Yeah. It's great to clear this stuff. This is all really good, interesting kind of high level, high level um, thief <laughs> strategy, which is fun. Um, all right. So let's take us up to level 12 then. Right. Yep. Are you doing yeah. HP or are you getting the ability to get a fire gem? Well, not the fire gem because you want more <laughs> runway for that mask. So you, you take the health yeah. points to get higher. It's really as simple as that. Um, For sure. And that's one of the things, like with with the beta and being at 14, when you can have your hit points even higher, and when I played in the maximum overdrive stuff, when you doubled your (laughs) hit points, it was like fantastic to not worry about the mask going offline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, super strong. And the health uh, increase is what, six? Is it six or seven? It's six for a thief. It's six. Okay. All right. Yep. Yeah, which is definitely uh, significant when it comes to that um, deactivation line for the for the mask. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of walked through the build of Kachiko. And as we did it, I think we got some pretty deep insight into how 
um, Barry actually plays Kachiko as well. So I think we, we really touched, it was kind of a build lab, but also a strategic um, uh, hybrid. So a lot of people have gotten to know what it's like to play against the thief because I send everybody challenges. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my favorites yep. list is littered with these massive win-loss record number of games for each person. You know, it's, it's really awesome. fun to have like Darwin in that mix too. You know, because I I include him in my gauntlet every time I send challenges, and he most of the time accepts. Nice. Yeah. Do we? So, does anyone want to ask any more? Uh, like thief specific questions? Because I do want to ask one question that's just more general. Go but I it. want us to say, okay. So my question for you, Barry, is what are like, what are the universal truths? Because I think at some point you've played so many games that you're very familiar, obviously, with the, the thief and using the cards in concert with those powers. But I know that as I played more and more and more, there was like certain universal truths that I picked up about. Oh, yeah, this is these are some of the general strategies I'm always going for. So what are the ones that you've kind of identified as your favorite things that you find that you're doing in other classes? What are you doing across the board? Well, I mean, everybody knows how important the sacrifice or the sack is for for games. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's just the optimal thing to have when you can have a smaller deck that gets to all the big or the better cards faster. I mean, that's just. You know, I've seen people, as I've dipped back into some PvP real-time play, they leave sack cards in the row. And I'm like, I, I, I should not be buying this card now, but I'm going to because you left <laughs> it there. You know, right, I even have it right. sometimes when I play against, in co-op, uh, you know, against Inquisition in the co-op, which is the one where starter cards trigger all ally abilities. Right, so it really warps like how you think. But the boss in that one has so much heal in their deck that damage early doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is getting sacrifice, so you can get a tighter deck and be able to bomb the Inquisition out. So, like sacrifice you know, in those games, sometimes I have opponents that aren't buying cards. Like I wish the little emojis they had the option to say, <laughs> "Not I want to buy this." that say, you should buy this. Yeah. <laughs> this I did have a game today where I left a sack card and like, it was like three times the guy didn't buy it, you know, yelling yep. at my iPad, buy the card. <laughs> All right. Now this, this is a tangent I want to take here. And I know we're talking about universal truths, but I, I want to tie it back to the thief because yep. I think one of the interesting things about the mask thief and Barry, maybe you agree or disagree with me on this is that it can do well even without any sacrifice. And let me explain why. And it, even if you bloat your deck a little bit, and if you, especially if, you're, um, if you've orphaned a card that you can cycle early with your mask, the thief doesn't matter. or it, it, The thief can still function without sack because even if you get this big bloated deck, you can use your mask to recycle cards. And if you have a big deck... You're going to be able to recycle that de- that card even longer before you have to reshuffle again. So that's kind of one of the things I like about the thief. Not necessarily I'm aiming for going no sack. I mean, obviously sack is usually better than not. But it, there's games where you don't get it or you can't get it, and the mask can actually deal with that pretty well. What, what do you think about that, Barry? I've had plenty of games where you know 
there is no sack, but you get like an elven curse or even a spark, maybe something that's going to allow you to keep masking that card that not only gives you that one discard, but in addition to your lifting, then you're hitting your opponent for two discards every turn. And that can just be debilitating to, you know, for non-rangers to always be sucking up uh, two discards. And then, you know, at 14, when you put in hook, you know, I think mm. yeah, you and I, Jay, we had a game against one of your wizards recently where I was doing like three discards every turn because I was masking spark or, and then lifting and then hooking, you know, it was just like, yeah, it's just nasty to be hitting somebody, mm-hmm. hitting an opponent with that many. It's really a negative play experience for the other guy. <laughs> it is. And, yeah. and you're healing yourself while you do it. So you're really not, yeah, you're, you're kind of either maintaining the status quo or even slightly increasing your health while the other person is suffering. Yeah. It's kind of a vice grip. It's a way to kind of slowly choke the life out of your opponent. That's interesting. Yep. That's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Right. To, I know we were talking about universal choose, but that it was one thing I thought about with a thief. Yeah, I don't think I really have any other uh, like great nuggets. You know, it's really about, and this goes back for me to every game I've always played. It's looking at the state of the game and what is the optimal play, right? What what is the play that's going to maximize your impact or your future ability to do other things? And that's my brother and I talk about it all the time. Um, when we play stuff, it doesn't matter what game we're playing. It's just what's the optimal thing to do. Right. I think it's a great, I love that observation because that's a general truth as well. Like that, that is in, 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 in hero realms, you do have to consider what your class is, who you're up against, what they've bought, what you've bought every time to really make the best play. You got to, you really have to take all those things into account. So it is hard to, to give any kind of universal truths um, in a lot of ways, but there are things that, you know, work well, like get the sack when you can and, and all of that. So, uh, that's buy, awesome. Buy the good cards. Don't buy the bad buy the ones. Good cards. Don't buy the bad that's ones. That's my <laughs> excerpt advice. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Great. Really great talk. Um, I think we're, we're probably pretty close to wrapping up the main focus here, but are there any final Things you want to talk about, Barry? Maybe something we missed about Kachiko or a thief play or anything in general before we finish up? Uh, so so Sam can't answer this because he already knows. But can Jigger Double Dubs, can you yeah. tell me how many co-op games I have logged in Hero Helper? Okay, I'm gonna so you've got three, it was like thirty two hundred total with Kachiko. And I'm assuming most of those co-op games you have logged are with Kachiko. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 400, 350 to 400. A thousand. Okay. So against Inquisition alone, I have (laughs) 811 games. Wow. So the total games are 1,272 and it hasn't been logging since the, uh, the most recent update too. Yeah, actually fixing that. (laughs) No, it is logging. logging. It's just not showing them. It's just not updated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. That's a lot of co-op experience experience too, especially if those are real, real time games. That's a ton of, a ton of experience. A lot. 
I I have a quick question about that too, though. What is your win rate in co-op? Because I did find that it's pretty easy. Like like you said, you will usually win. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, if you, I, I generally always play Inquisition, which is why I have 800 of the 1300 games are co-op or yep. are, are, are Inquisition and co-op. Um, because you can just, it's just too easy to win, really. Um, yeah. I, I, and what's the, is Pirate Lord is the hardest, I think? Pirate Lord I mean, I is the one, lot, well, the Orc one, you can definitely lose games there. I only have 39 games in that. Um, okay. But I, I stay away from it because you have a better chance of losing, and it's a higher level one, so people don't always have a level 10 or higher to answer with. Right. And plus, if you're doing real time, you can get a pirate real time a lot easier. Um, yep. But in general, all, all of them are easy to, to beat if you have a competent ally playing with you. That's not always the case, right. unfortunately. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, or you can have a playing with you that uh, you know doesn't remember that they can kill your champions, too. Like or heal you. Did yeah. the other night. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. It was late. All right. That's oh, my boy. excuse. Yeah, those are I didn't even look. I was, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I was clicking through. I'm, I apologize. I was. I was that guy. It's okay. It I sometimes, sometimes forget. I forget to look and see. Did my, uh, you know, my my buddy have any champs for me to kill? Because I'm playing so many games, I just do it all quick. Right. And I'm like, oh, I should have killed the guy. I thought you had yep. it under control over there. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm good. I'm with Zimbu. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, he should be fine. <laughs> no worries. Actually, I, I played a screen. game. I played a co-op game with with uh, Derek Funkhauser on stream on uh, Wednesday. I guess he uh-huh. was he, he he needed a challenge, and I was like, I need a real time co-op, so let's play one. And <laughs> he legitimately had lethal. But he killed the non-guard champions and ended his turn. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, bro, come on. Yeah. It was against Inquisition too, and Inquisition healed like 15 heal, you know, and almost put themselves out of range of me ending the game. But I I had enough. Still got there. He was leaving the the final, the fell swoop for you, Barry. Yeah. Oh, that's good customer support. That's good customer support. Good job, Derek. Good job, Derek. Way to go. Wow. All right, guys. I mean, we can keep uh, going on forever here, but we eventually have to end the main focus, and this is a good place to do it. Barry, thanks <laughs> yep. for sharing your insight. We got to know – I mean, I, I have an intimate relationship with Kachiko. I, I, I've I've always been uh, drawn to her story, so it was good to uh, hear a little bit more of, of her genesis and everything. So thanks so much for sharing that hey if, if anybody wants uh to get added to the list they can just hit me up on discord <laughs> <laughs> yes i'll take Zem- all the comments z-e-m-b-u is his ign definitely uh he will never uh turn down a challenge that's for show okay yep. guys let's wrap up uh our main focus and head into the community roundup All right, everybody, when you hear that music, you know we are getting towards the end of the episode. But first, we have our community roundup. So let's jump right into it. First of all, uh, Sammy, you're going to walk us through Highlander and the Sparks and Rec Digital Open. That's correct, my friends. Um, The Highlander series has just concluded. 
uh, its season two event. Uh, it was a rousing competition, ending with a finals match between Horgel and the cat says meow, and a bronze match between Omsk. And fi- this says Omsk fifty five. We know him as Omsk, and Hood with an extra O. So you got to say it long like that. Uh, <laughs> we actually do. Do we know who won the bronze match right now? I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. They're playing it out, and funny enough, uh, that wasn't supposed to, like, it doesn't mean anything, and Tim added it on accident. So, like, they're just playing it for bragging rights. It's not getting extra points in the event or anything. You know, Hilarious. I mean, it's all for bragging rights anyways, right? So they're still fighting for third place, but... Sure, yeah, they're, they're going for bronze. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So that was just an accidental inclusion in the bracket. Cool. For well, sure, yeah. <laughs> good luck, you two. Play it out. Have fun. Uh, the winner of... The Highlander series season two was Horgel over to Cat Says Meow. Also, just a shout out to Horgel, just won PAX East Legend. So that man's on a tear right now. And let's segue uh, that into a shout out to Birdlaw, right? I mean, a crowned Realms Walker. We got to say, what up, Birdlaw? He, he won always the got Star to. Realms Legends event. So, Birdlaw, great guy. Yeah. Card haver. And also a Realms Walker now. What were you saying, Jake? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say definitely worthy of news in the community roundup to mention the uh, yeah. the outcome of that Legends tournament for sure. Congratulations Absolutely. to you, Birdlaw. Yes. Congratulations right. uh, to everybody. Yeah. Moving right along. Um, is that mean? Oh, no. Digital. Oh, the Sparks and Rec Digital Open. <laughs> Here we go. Look, you know what, Jake? Why don't you start us off with the Sparks and Rec Digital Open? I mean, really, oh, well, I should I probably start, and you should you should finish. But we'll let you we'll let you have the piece, and then I can summarize the results. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. I'm going to have to open up the challenge. Then I didn't. You were supposed to cover this, so this is your your thing to get ready here. But, <laughs> but I, I know, it. but I, I feel like you had you had specifically requested a moment to discuss two two matches in particular that started the yeah, round well, one I and mean, round two. Well, I, all right, so uh, <laughs> and of course, challenge is not loading. Um, Recently, the Sparks and Rec Digital Open 2 just finished, and we have our winner of the event, Rucksack. Congratulations to Rucksack on winning. Uh, he took his cleric through yep. the unbelievable um, the elimination round and won it all. So congratulations to yeah. him. Um, cleric really over fighter in the final. Deja was number two. Deja and then the official the number three—it's—it has you and Rip tied as number for number three. I don't know if that's just like by the the way the bracket goes, the way they do that. Yeah, we'd have but, to actually play each other to do it. Yeah, but yeah, we were right. in the final four. I actually lost to Rucksack in the semifinals, uh, yep. so at least I lost to the guy who ended up winning it. But most importantly, guys, earlier in the sing- <laughs> single eliminations, uh, I faced off against first our own. Sammy Scrap Force Parsons, I think, in the first round. There was a yes. lot of trash talk involved. There was a, 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 some bruised egos, but uh, needless to say, <laughs> Sam lost. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a 3-0. I, I think I won in, in were, three games to, to zero as well. Let's uh, ju- now, let me just give a tip to anyone in the community. Don't start with Jig because he won't. He'll finish. 
He'll finish. Oh, he can't. <laughs> if no, you so, lose, no. at least. I mean, if, no, if you beat him, maybe say something. That's fine. Then I'll but shut up. Yeah, I'll if you no, end up losing, then, yeah, it's not going to be pretty for you. Was, all right. So just a little backstory. <laughs> I, won't, I won't spend too much time on it. But I, I ended up I, – I beat Sammy in the three games, and then he sent, like, a, a snarky message, like, lucky ass or something. A real snarky little <laughs> lucky ass comment. And, hey, you come at – you. you you come at the bull, you're going to get the horns, buddy. All right, I'm going to come. <laughs> yep. I'm going to come out of the shed, guns blazing, and uh, yep. trash talk. The, the, there was definitely a lot of trash talk going. That was a lot of. Fun. There's no DefCon one, two, or three. It goes straight. It goes straight yeah, to it goes four. Straight to DefCon one. <laughs> one. Uh, anyway, it was really good. Luck was on my side. It was fun. And but who do I get next round after that? But our own double dubs. Uh, and I, I think double dubs. Were you? Were you ranger? Or were you fighter? I forget. I was fighter too. I played. Fighter. You were fight, yeah. Okay, fighter. Yeah. And Double Dubs, at least he was able to win one of the games, uh, but unfortunately, he also succumbed I'm, to the uh, mighty onslaught of my level level three fighter in the the next round there. So, yeah, I'm trying to find the chat for it all. We did kind of go back and forth a little bit. I don't really remember anything too specific about the games, but I'm sure you know I just got unlucky and that it, you know wasn't that surely that was it. it was all unlucky or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, was, it was good and there was actually he was uh it was, there were close games and he didn't shoot he didn't come shooting any trash talk at first it was actually it, it ended uh amicably uh yeah, and then after that I ran into rucksack and lost and I think I think he won three against me as well we started all three games and he he blanked me so uh, anyways, bus, uh, that was a little longer than normal. Now I had to bring this up because in the last episode, you guys just breezed over the uh, digital open summaries <laughs> without even mentioning that you had yep. been uh, defeated by your own. Your, your, your yep. We need to give you your flowers. You did a good job. You whooped our butts. I just butts. want to add one thing. It maybe wasn't important to you, but you also knocked me out of the digital open in the last round of Swiss, oh, which was a playing right. game for me. After I inherited Dude's yeah. uh, 0-2 start and took his place, and I won games all the way to that last round, and then Jig knocked me out. So you beat all three of us. I did indeed. Yeah. So uh, hey, I'll take it. Hey, it's a that that you're actually right in the same event. I beat all three of you, and I will take a moment just to uh, tip my own hat and enjoy <laughs> the moment. So thanks for that. Okay, uh, that's a way more time than uh, we should have spent on sparking the digital open, but there we go. It's, it's the jig roundup. Yeah, it's the jig. Yeah, right. Hey guys, you know I love to, you know I love to toot my own horn. Uh, next, we're going to talk about King of the Castle. Uh, we have had a lot of movement, uh, a lot of action in the recent uh, weeks. We had our first queen uh, ascend uh, to the uh, uh, top of Castle A, and that was. Um, Luna Pig, and she had a really nice run. We also had, uh, next to her, we had uh, Omsk running a really nice run. I think they both actually got to seven or eight wins before they were defeated. Uh, Game Freak took out uh, Luna Pig and is now sitting as king in Castle A. In Castle B, we have CL Rider 78. He was the one who deposed uh, Omsk. Unfortunately, CL Ryder was rewarded with a immediate matchup against Rucksack in his first defense of the castle, which is a uh, trial by fire to be sure. So good luck to our current uh, kings. And if you're interested in checking out this event, which is always running in the background, we're always taking signups, check out the link in the show notes. Okay, uh, moving right along to Tavern Brawl. We have another congratulations in order here. 
uh, Tavern Brawl finished up, guys. And our own Double Dubs, who is the daredevil, the captain of the Decepticons, has emerged victorious and has won the Tavern Brawl. You guys were facing off against the Wild Bunch nice. in the finals. And Indeed. I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you talk about this for a second here, uh, wow. Double Dubs. But I will say the Wild Bunch was undefeated heading into this finals. So no team had beaten them uh, in the regular season or obviously in the playoffs. So they were coming in hot. Double Dubs, what happened in the finals? Yeah, so, I mean, it was epic. Thank you for the congratulations. It feels pretty great to be the winningest daredevil of all time, right? You know, got two under the belt. Nobody else has two. It's pretty sick. Out of four. Uh, two out of four nice. is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Hanging banners. Yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah, hanging the You're banners. hanging banners, um, baby. For sure, for sure. I think, you know, uh, part of the secret to the success there draft noodle tulpa that's what i did each time <laughs> but then like it got it got better from there though because um omsk i've worked with him and played a lot of games with omsk and i think we're really starting to see him hit his stride on the competitive scene right now uh you just yep. talked about his king of the castle run you know i'm never surprised to see him do well and i um played a lot of one-on-one games with him so I got him in the third round, and I think like he's probably a first rounder next season. I think it'd be hard to argue that he's not, depending on how many teams and stuff. And then I got Jobu after that, and Jobu's been a beast in previous tavern brawls. We got him on fighter, so he's a great player. But then the real thing that brought the team together was those group of guys from France that joined at the last minute, the stragglers, they did not take their friend Lagoya at the very end. So I picked up Lagoya and he played uh cleric and he had like a 60% win rate with cleric. So you wow. never know how your final, you know, round pick is going to pan out, but basically everybody on the team, had awesome contributions and you know we had a lot of fun strategizing and stuff like that i'll talk really quickly about the uh the showdown against wild bunch so of course they've just been on a total heater you got hood that didn't lose at all like last season or this season so i think he's been on a total run with his ranger and then the rest of the team has been undefeated as well we'll give all of them a quick shout out so you got danderdag as the Leader of it all, CL Ryder, who we said just took the um, the castle, Hood, and then Lunapig, who had that big run before that, and then Fino, um, also another great player. So their team, no surprise that they did so awesome. But um, yeah, the final match, um, one of the huge things that it came down to was my uh, wizard against Danderdag's fighter, which also was a clash of the Daredevils, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, But basically, level 12 wizard versus fighter, I was feeling a little more confident about that matchup than I should have. And I think I you know, maybe needed Jig on my shoulder to be like, (laughs) wizard is not actually going to have that good of a time in that matchup. It's not so great. (laughs) You really do need some. Level 12, no. Yeah. So the craziest thing in that set, uh, we're tied one game apiece. I had 43 health with a guard in play uh, and Danderdag and I had lethal in hand. I passed to Danderdag. He did have deception. Spoilers. He put together 57 damage and knocked me out. 
So he did a 57 damage turn, and I was down uh, two games to one. So I needed to win games four and five in order to pull it out. And it was insane. I got Imperials and played tight. I you know, had to play really, you got to be spamming the heels and got there just barely got there in games four and five and got the win game four i had a really strong open uh game five was really really close so um and then we ended up winning the series um our ranger omsk won noodle tulpa won and that got us the three wins so um, nice congrats guys yeah exciting finish and you toppled the undefeated team to take it so very dramatic fashion Congratulations yeah. once again to you guys. Thank okay, you, guys, let's, you, let's keep rolling them through. Uh, Double Dubs, you're up next. Why don't you start us out with a little uh, Thandar Combat League? Yeah, so uh, this is, you know, rather than making a ton of uh, recognitions here or anything, I just want to give kind of like a status update on where everything is at. So basically, there's about one week left to finish any outstanding games. There's a few out there, but by and large, everyone's looking pretty good. And so once that happens, we'll start to have the information we need for the promotions and relegations. So then what we're going to do is we're going to hold signups for about like three weeks. And then at the end of the three weeks, we're going to stop. We'll have a week to do the different pairings for the next season. And then we'll kick off the next season. So that one will just uh, keep rolling through. And then Max Overdrive is the other event that I wanted to talk about a little bit. So this is a tale of two brackets because on the one side, we have uh, Rucksack and Logan who have blasted all the way to the quarterfinals uh, or the semifinals. um, And they are, you know, waiting to play their game. And then on the other side, we're still in looking to finish up round two games. <laughs> but um <laughs> looks like Zembu, you were a casualty of Rucksack on his way to the semis, huh? Those were some brutal games. That that double health is not fun if things don't go your way. Because the game just snowballs longer. Get- yeah, you know and they can over. snowballs get really bad. Yeah, snowballs can get really bad, and you're just kind of helpless as you watch in slow motion as you die. There, yeah. he played great. He he, I ran with, uh, with with thief first, and he countered with wizard. You know, but these were blind, and I had set it up turn three. I was buying Tyranor. I got a great gold start. I was gonna maybe I masked even, but I had I knew I had it. He knew it too. So what did he do? He fireballed. So there I couldn't buy. <laughs> Just a smart player, you know. I did end up getting that Tyranor like a turn or two later, but then he also he got like all the other scrap and it yep. just it didn't matter. It yeah, canceled it out. Yeah, and just that delay. If you had gotten that turn, it could have been different, right? But delaying yeah. it. That, that's what the wizard is so good at is just delaying things just enough. But to, to rucksack master at doing the optimal play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. He's a great. Yeah, he's one of the best. Uh, all right, keep him rolling here. Yeah, over to HRPC with Zembu. All right, so the HRPC season two event one is now into the uh, single limb stage, where you know group stages are done. Everybody got whatever heroes that they got through to that group stage. I unfortunately only got one through. 
and I was promptly knocked out in like the first five minutes after <laughs> that round <laughs> one was announced because I played the games right away and Rip uh, we had a fighter mirror and knocked me right out. And that was the only one I got through. So, But everybody else is, uh, you know, they've progressed along. I think you got some people in the third or fourth round. Of course, Double Dubs is still waiting to play one of his games with his Ranger because Horgle and Captain Warped uh, are still finishing their first round match there so i mean get those games in if you can people it's great (laughs) to get that event uh you know down to the end you've already got uh luna pig in the uh god what is that the quarterfinals top eight yep yeah top Mm, eight so that's the only one that's gotten that far but still a lot of great players uh, alive in there and i haven't actually done enough analysis to see who has the most characters left because there were oh, definitely okay. some people yeah, yeah. that had four. Yeah, we'll five, give another, but... yeah, we'll give an update. Yeah. Uh, so probably still be going in a couple of weeks from now. So yeah. But or, if or you haven't played in an HRPC event like this one, you got to sign up, you sign up with all five. It's, <laughs> it's a lot all at once, but it's so awesome. So it's what got me kickstarted. Yeah. It's nice. it is a lot of fun. All right. I think that's pretty good. One final note here. I think, did we forget to mention that our own Larry Horgel Bogucki won the legends tournament at PAX East this uh, last weekend. Do we kind of mentioned it, but I stole the bird law announcement. So we kind of (laughs) like missed it a little bit, but yeah. And bird law definitely deserves his due for the realms rocker, but Larry also, he's a double legend now. Um, and in fact, he's been, I think in two finals, cause Sammy, the last yeah. one was the one yep. you were at and he was in the finals there as well. Right. So he is just a killer in these, yep. uh, in these events. So congratulations to Larry on becoming a double champion or double legend. I think he probably feels a little vindicated. I could be wrong. I don't want to misquote, but I think his first legend, it was a somewhat low player count. Whereas this most mm. recent legend tournament was like 39. He beat a field of 39 competitors. So as far as these things go, it was quite a few uh, people for him to come out yep. on top of. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I think that gets us through community roundup. Uh, stay tuned as always for more uh, updates and results. And as always, you can find the rules, the sign up links, everything you need in the show notes. It will, will take you to a link that has all the events uh, summarized together with on one page with a bunch of links for you guys. So check it out. There's so many things to choose from, so many different play styles, levels to play at. There's something for everybody. Come on and check out the community events. All right, everybody, you hear that music and you know we have arrived at the end of episode 28. It's been a long winding road, but we've had a lot of really great discussion. Uh, Barry, Zembu, what a pleasure to have you on uh, as a guest on the cast today. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, what do you think? Your, your first uh, experience uh, on board the uh, Sparks and Rec, what did what, you think? It's really great. Thanks for having me. Let me, you know talk a bunch um so i appreciate the platform to do it on just a few final things i wanted to mention my next prestige goal is to get all the way to diamond 123 because i think having one two three is three digits is a good way to maybe stop can't say that i won't go any further but that's my immediate goal 
And these last few gauntlet rounds have used the new cards for the first time. And it's making it fresh and new. So uh, it's been really fun doing them. I also don't want to end without thanking specifically Agency 13 Tim for drafting me on his Tavern Brawl team back in Season 2. Uh, I had only played him a few times on his stream, and he took a chance on me, and it was a great way to get an introduction to the community. And finally, thank you to everybody that has accepted and played me in a gauntlet game. I couldn't have done the whole prestige thing I did without other people being being willing to play me. So thank you all very much, and I hope you'll keep accepting challenges from me. And, uh, you know, not to throw myself under the bus, but I hadn't listened to a Sparks and Rec <laughs> podcast until after I found out you guys were going to have me on the show. <laughs> but I think what I did here, it's great. I'm probably going to go back and listen to some of the other episodes. Um, nice. Thanks again for having me. Cool. Excellent. It's better late than never. Better late than never. Very glad, glad to have you as part of the uh, Sparks and Rec fam. Uh, Sammy, you have any final words for the uh, for our listeners? Yeah. Um, first off, I just wanted to thank Barry. Uh, really nice to talk to you to finally get to see you. I hope we get to get, uh, actually Barry and I are like almost neighbors. So hopefully we get to get, get together sometime soon and play some, some cards, physical version yeah, of, uh, the realms. That would be fantastic. Let's make um, it happen. my brother lives. I want to give a, we can do a whole group game. I'm, I also want to say I'm really glad that we got a chance to highlight Jig and give him a chance to have some two-handed ritualistic horn tooting because we know how he <laughs> likes to toot his own horn. Wow. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Barry, thanks for being a new uh, subscriber and listener to the cast. <laughs> appreciate all of you guys out there in the realms. You all rock. Um, if you want to track your Hero Realms records, go to Hero Realm or hero-helper.com. We're trying to do a new UI in the next three to six months. So it's going to get better and better as time goes. Nice. I can't wait for that new UI, man. Uh, I was working so on it got... today, but that was why I was late. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for Jeez. being late. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, well, it has been an awesome cast. It was really good to get to know more uh, from you, Barry. Like we've obviously talked a bunch online, but just to kind of get to, you know, chat with you here. Really hope you get to make it to Origins and just another uh, awesome example of the, the, the cool community that we have. It's really a treat to be able to have people on here and, and kind of put the spotlight on them in different ways. So thanks for coming on. And uh, to everyone else, stay fresh, cheese bags. Yes. We made it to the end of the show. Congratulations. You're a nerd. Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. I'm always aware of where's the sack? What sack is there? What, what can I do to buy that sack? And then this one night, I'm running around. I've got my phone. I'm like, oh, I got a prestige.